So when, when you suggested creationism, were you thinking young earth creationism or all creationism or? I have thoughts about all of them. And yeah, I, I took, I did a little prep doc where I distinguished sort of like evidence arguments, like which I usually are more like young earth creationist arguments and then like worldview and assumptions arguments, which are more like intelligent design and that whole thing, um, which I think are devilishly strong actually <laughs> so i'd be happy to talk about it um, that was something i was asking ray about i was just like uh which aspects and are we sticking to uh, one version of creationism or are we considering all like known uh spiritual and religious explanations <laughs> so uh, oh i was thinking of christianity okay definitely um or like you know judeo-christian um i was thinking of that whole movement like the the wedge document discovery institute type movement um perhaps i should have thought of <laughs> the question more broadly but um no. yeah uh that's that's what i know about you know like the people who as i was like doing all my evolution studies were like giving you know schools a lot of trouble about it in the u.s what is the wedge document the wedge document. It's really interesting. There's this uh, out here. I think I have it open in some tab. Uh, the Discovery Institute uh, made basically like invented intelligent design as like a PR thing. And then they wrote this document about like what they were doing, <laughs> like what their whole strategy was. And uh, if you look at it, it's like weaponized postmodernism. It's like people who really like paid attention to like postmodern arguments and realize like oh you you don't even you don't need to like argue within the paradigm of science you just need to take issue with like the paradigm of science which is like they make certain assumptions and they call that scientific materialism and that became the thing that they were arguing against that there were you know assumptions like even things like the consistent believing that things are the same in the past as they are today that like the laws of nature would continue <laughs> consistently um and that's just an assumption and that's not something that's really backed up or taught and it has actually a very complex uh logic if you unpack it you know if you look at like the philosophy when people do like philosophical disquisitions on why we believe that um you know we're relying on like parsimony and um a lot of like judgments about what's the most likely and uh things like that that are not that obvious and i think they kind of pointed out that a lot of people who <laughs> the whole scientific consensus on evolution and then like teaching evolution in schools and stuff like they're it's not like a lot of people, it's not like all the people who learn evolution in that manner, just being taught as if it's a fact, really understand all the philosophical underpinnings of it. And I think they just legitimately pointed out a weakness, you know, it was, it was pretty hard to counter what they did because it required unpacking so much like philosophically and logically, like why, you know, why do we have materialist assumptions? You know, like, why is this the dominant paradigm in science? Yeah, so I, I have this, I, I don't know about worry is the right term, but I have this wonder where I'm wondering if half of our episodes will turn out to, to just use something like that, where <laughs> uh, it's some form of, of I don't know. And I'm making a lot of assumptions. I'm taking a lot of things on faith. Uh, I'm trusting a lot of people to believe what I believe or to hold whatever belief I'm holding. So 
I'm definitely sympathetic to arguments of that nature. But what did you, or I guess when you were doing the research, when you were thinking about it, when you've thought about it before, what has interested you most or what has surprised you most? Um, I, I suppose the thing that interests me most is how to realize how ignorant a lot of people who act like it's obvious are about it. Um, because I, I have a lot of experience with fundamentalist Christians, like sincerely fundamentalist Christians who I knew on like a personal level and not just through like atheist activism, although that was one thing I was doing. <laughs> and uh, I, I went to Vanderbilt, which is, you know, in the South and like rather conservative. And a lot of people there were, you know, like literally this was their first time being schooled with other people. They had been like fundamentalist Christian homeschool kids. Some of them were very poorly adjusted. Some of them were like so brilliant. It was like they had just really had the opportunity to just pursue whatever they were interested in, like not bothered by like bullies and a lot of other social forces. Definitely very uh, constrained by Christianity. But um, and they were just so thoughtful and they had really deep considerations of the whole issue. Now, they wanted to be able to believe the creationist account like that was very clear. But they really also were very curious and like wanted to talk to me about like, you know, because I was interested in doing evolution as a career, like evolutionary studies of evolution as a career. And they wanted to like win an argument against me. It's not like they were just open mindedly trying to figure out what was true. But like they they had thought about it in such a like a really fresh way oftentimes. Whereas like the people who were like, oh, that's obvious. You know, of course, evolution is true. Or oftentimes just like to me, just like very gauche, like culture warriors. And so like, I thought that I, I just don't like in general when, you know, our, our questions about the truth become a political issue. And I don't like when people are in dominant culture and it's like, they don't even know the difference between, they can't even recognize when something's become a political issue or when it's, when you're just talking about it as a matter of what's true. And I do think that it is not, while I think ev that evolution natural um evolution by natural selection has like one of the strongest evidence bases of any theory in science that it is true i uh do think that a lot of it, it's more complicated than people imagine to understand that it's true and to really be convinced of it and i do wish that people appreciated that more or like had left more room for like genuine doubt because I think that the the attitude of trying to understand it yourself and being willing to express that you don't get it is like how we get to any new insights and uh and I just care about truth in itself what was the question <laughs> I, I guess as you're thinking about creationism what what interests you all most about the the people around it as well as the beliefs around it as well as any arguments you may have come across um, as well uh, as how, how you might find yourself believing in creationism. I should say that I was raised a young earth creationist uh, and was probably one until I was like 11. Well, that's cool. I kind of want to just hear about what you thought. <laughs> like what was in your mind and what changed? <laughs> I, I think I just, I just took it as a general fact and my disbelief in it actually came from studying the Bible a lot and finding a lot of contradictions between what was said in the Bible and what I was told just generally. And that was sort of the, the opening that led me to going down uh, a train of 
secretly checking out the origin of species and stuff like that uh, as a kid. Wait, so just the discrepancy between like the biblical account of creation and what you were told about creation was what tipped you off? So the discrepancy between biblical accounts in general and mm-hmm. what I was told about bi- biblical accounts in church and in my church community. So, so the difference between what I would assume people would act like if they took the Bible literally versus what was happening, even though they said they took the Bible literally, um, it didn't seem to match. It's very similar to how I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like taking it, um, actually, I guess you could say a form of like steel manning, like taking taking the claims of the supposedly inerrant document really seriously also led me to think like, oh, well, this isn't right. Or nobody's actually doing those, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, I was also, not to just jump in there, but uh, I was also raised in like a, like a loosely Christian like family and such. And um, it's similar to Ray. It was just kind of taken as like, like, this is the first thing you're taught. And so you're just like, okay, well, the people around me, I assume that they know better than I because they're older than me. And when I was, but now I went to Ohio University and then I have a degree in geology. And so if you're, Christian, and then you go take, (laughs) basically you're studying the earth and earth processes and so on and so forth. There's this conflict that happened, which eventually like radiated into a lack of acceptance, even though it's, it's always this like back and forth on what is true and what isn't true. And then when Ray said he was doing this podcast, I was like, uh, he specifically said that like, how can you currently make yourself believe that um, the like Protestant length of the earth, uh, ta- like whatever, uh, is 6,000 years. I was like really trying hard <laughs> to like convince myself um, of that. And actually what you had said a little bit ago is that the lack of knowledge or lack of truth is kind of what leads someone um like you seek truth but like i would argue like what i was thinking like when i was younger and even now the only way i could like uh convince myself in my head that the earth is or the universe is only six thousand years old is that because i am so stupid (laughs) and i don't have all the answers and that i do lack knowledge and i'm confused on how it all works is that what do i know Therefore, there can be possibly a divine intervention of some kind. And just because I see it in my consciousness does not mean that my consciousness is what someone else is seeing. You know, like this could all be a simulation or, you know, whatever. I was going to bring up the simulation argument. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was like a very cool original angle, but yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. I, I think what, as I was like going through, just like noting things down about the creationist arguments and like trying to classify the different like kinds of arguments and disagreements and stuff. I think the main crux is just who gets the benefit of the doubt? Like what, um, what worldview gets the benefit of the doubt or like, what does parsimony mean? And I feel very good about straw manning people who like misunderstand parsimony because people use it in, I think, a deceptive way or they, they use it in a lazy way. They're like, oh, well, you know, Occam's razor, it takes, you know, there's fewer terms in this equation that are being multiplied. So therefore, you know, this is more likely than that. Um, But like to someone who doesn't understand, like they haven't like had a materialist, like account of the universe, like unpacked for them. 
it's not easier to understand. It's not simpler. It's it's much simpler to say like God did it, like than it is to say you know it very fundamental building blocks like self organize in this way, and you know we can sort of understand what they're going to do, and that's over a really long time. Like if to someone who's not familiar with any of that stuff, that seems like introducing a bunch of new things. As whereas like it, the idea of a person making something like a watch, you know, is a very intuitive thing it's not to them that doesn't mean like imposing a lot of new terms and you know uh in this equation uh well not even not sorry go ahead no no go ahead i was gonna say in addition to that there's like this desperation to know which is what i was like getting with like oh god i don't know anything how am i supposed to know like what is true or not because when you have a peoples who are suffering right man, why can't I find food? I can't do this all on my own. There has to be a meaning. So like, I feel like the desperation of suffering is just like, what is it all for? Especially if you have like a reasonable mind. I was like trying to take some notes on these thoughts. Um, So because they want to know why we exist or like why there, there is community that we can like gather behind you have like the loss of self and like for me um you have these astonishing acts of like lightning thunder tectonic movement or like i guess they wouldn't have known about tectonic movement at that time um but then if you like give a like take the responsibility off of yourself of your suffering and give it to something else like oh, uh, the there is this entity that knows what's going on there's a plan don't worry my suffering is meaningful. Our suffering is meaningful. So we can gather as a community and suffer together, help each other along, sacrifice, give, uh, you know, a lamb to this God. And then it is all worth it because we are like collectively um, like relieved of responsibility, if that makes sense. I agreed that I think totally in line with the whole parsimony thing. It's like for a lot of people, that's additional evidence. Like the fact that, it is a relief and it's like natural to us to think in terms of agency and, you know, um, that to a lot of people that's like, you know, it's not like super principled, like philosophy, but like, it's just sort of natural intuitive thing to do. Like something like feels good and it kind of feels like it makes sense for a lot of reasons. Like that's all going to contribute to your, when you say like, what's more likely to be true, like those terms are all going into it. I think for, for most people, you have to really, learn to not do that you have to discipline yourself quite a lot or like be uh pretty steeped in like maybe you know what like the intelligent the discovery institute would call like a materialist worldview to to distinguish a lot of those things like does is that evidence for um somebody actually you know there being an, uh, an agent that's actually controlling things or start or created the earth or uh yeah I also think that like there's this this kind of overarching like idea that maybe a lot of like Christians or people like of science don't actually I mean I guess people of science would care a little bit more is like but why does it matter? Why does it matter that like the, the my experience of believing in X power is more important than the facts of science, right? Like how is it truly affecting like the greater uh like earthly earthly processes you know if i like go out and i do three hail marys every morning right like does that truth matter more than the fact like does six thousand year old earth matter more than knowing that fossils are actually fossils 
if that makes sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think a, a lot of people just don't value like the real facts. And this is something that I think a lot of people on the evolution side, like very flatteringly, like self-flatteringly would talk about this, but it's also true. Like, I think you just have to realize that like, not everyone cares about knowing like what actually happened. Like, that's not why they're interested in this. It's like, they're more interested in it because of, yeah, like the worldview that it enables or like as a foundational myth for their community. And like a lot of people will be very explicit about that. Um, but it's not really that they're like trying to figure out creation science. Like I don't, only like a handful of those guys really seem sincere. Like um, maybe Ken Ham. Did you guys ever watch Ken Ham? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's been more than a decade. I was just like looking through some stuff to refresh myself. And yeah, he, his main thing was like, what are you there? You know, he would say all the time. He's Australian. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he, uh, um, and he seemed to me like he might actually be trying to like figure out like a scientific account of creation. But for the most part, like that's not really, they're sort of just, it seemed to me like playing the science game to like show that it's like not so obvious and it's hard to, you can't, the scientists can't just tell the government what to do about, you know, their stance on this uh, issue. And, uh, but like, I also kind of get it. Like we don't, we're not accustomed to like within science to justifying why people should care about the truth, you know? Um, but like, it is kind of something that needs justification. Like there's nothing that compels them to act according to like what, you know, we according with our best efforts think is true. And there's nothing that compels them to care about it. Uh, but, the, but there's also like self-truth and then like collective truth, right? Because you have to be able to convince somebody, well, at least one person at the like, if you have this like apex point that like spreads out into a cone or whatever, a lot of different networks, convince those people that what you're saying is true for whatever the definition of truth is. If it's like tangible truth, uh, which like is something that you can see, but even like most phys physical concepts, which Ray and I were talking about this before, physics concepts are still like in here, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like you have to, like you can model them with math and things, but you can't like prove, like you were saying in the beginning that these complex like webs are actually like functional. Um, like, I mean, I guess like most scientific experiments can at least like, like draw strings and say things are true. Um, I digress. Yeah, for it to <laughs> for for people to understand that something does prove that something is true, they often have to have like a, a lot of yeah, like sort of a, a a lot of architecture already built in their own minds so that they can understand the implications. And like if they don't, and I think it's that with evolution like because it's something that you can observe it directly but it doesn't prove like everything about the whole theory. Like it doesn't prove to a lot of people like, you know, just seeing microevolution a lot of those people from like that intelligent design era would be like, oh, microevolution is real, but like, but you don't have species changing into new species. You don't have macroevolution, and that doesn't explain like the distribution of animals across the globe. Like all, all of these other implications of you know evolutionary theory are not in entailed by just like little changes like that. You know, <laughs> how do we know that those add up? Also, there's um, this is more of like a we could get into like actual facts that I think are compelling, which might be a good antidote to the meta stuff, but um, <laughs> uh, so are like actual factual claims. So like the whole irreducible complexity thing. So like the idea that like, if you saw a feature in nature that could not have evolved by gradual, by evolution, natural selection is a hill climbing algorithm. Like it takes little steps up toward an optimum. 
And, uh, and if you see something that has to be built, you know, with some, you know, we would think like with a mind, like there's, there are leaps being made. It didn't just like evolve along one gradient, you know, or a couple smooth gradients at a time into its current, uh, state. So something like a wheel, you know, something where the parts aren't useful by themselves. It's only useful as a whole. Um, that if you find something like that in nature, then that would be, you know, evidence that at least in this case, there was some kind of intervention or there was something that evolution couldn't explain. I, I like that one because it is, it is a test. It's a falsifiable, uh, claim and evolution is falsifiable. This would be one way that it was, <laughs> it could be falsified, but, it, and then the way that, um, while I think what I'm about to say is true, I do think that it's like understandable that it's not perceived as a convincing argument. The way that people handle this question, you know, when asked, you know, from like, well, how does evolution account for stuff that seems to be irreducibly complex? They're basically like, well, you know, like Orgel said, evolution is always cleverer than you are. Um, and, you know, maybe just because you can't think of a way that it could evolve doesn't mean that it didn't. That's true. But it's also very irritating. Like, you, couldn't you just say that about anything? Like, I yes. mean, <laughs> um, and uh, I mean, the most famous example of the irreducible complexity thing is the bacterial flagellum motor, because it looks kind of like a wheel. And, uh, you know, they're like, well, it couldn't like do what it's doing now as a partial wheel, like that wouldn't make any sense. So it's like supposed to be, it turns and it like turns the flagellum whips, you know, uh, because of that. But I mean, there is a very good case that was made about that particular uh, like protein complex that actually uh, it was doing something kind of different before it was like pumping out toxins. And then like once it was a wheel, then that's when it got like co-opted into that new purpose. But um, you what kind of have time to look- scale on that. I don't know. Because um- <laughs> I feel like most of all the things that you're saying, the like the like unbelievability of any of them has to do with time scale and again tangibility of it because if we're talking about like uh, micro jumps of like evolutionary like evidence or whatever you have cambrian explosion no oxygen oxygenation event and then like hundreds millions billions of species like just pop out of what seems to be nowhere how is that possible right um like regarding experimentation and like growth and whatever but like we don't have like i mean you have some but not uh like fossil evidence of all any of the possible species that could have erupted from that or their like descendants or ascendants like in between right so you're just drawing these like uh theoretical lines to things that look similarly or just like seem to like pop out of the ether um so i feel like time has a lot to do which is why i asked about the flagellum things or whatever uh because if you can't i guess mark its existence like obviously then it makes it less and less believable well and it is a historical fact you know so it's not something that even if you could show if you could like experimentally replicate the same thing happening i mean you can't there's always going to be like some room for for doubt that that's actually what happened you know um too you know I do think incredulity just about the amount what can happen with small changes over a lot, a lot, a lot of time is a is a huge part of it. Um, and you don't really overcome that by learning about evolution. You do just sort of like learn to trust and you sort of know what things would actually be impossible versus what things would just be really unlikely and like how likely things are. Um, but yeah, it's not like it makes it really intuitive ever to um, know more about it. And especially if you 
are not even really inclined to believe there has been that much time, you know, like there has been more, any more than like 6,000 years, you know, and the, it would just seem not very convincing. It just would seem very unlikely. Um, but I think in general, that just that kind of challenge to, uh, that the, I can't help but admire irreducible complexity because that would, if we did find something that we could show was irreducibly complex, like that would either mean that like some as yet unknown intelligence had created it, you know, or uh, that maybe a God created it. It would like, it would mean something. It would mean it wasn't created by the process of, uh, you know, evolution by natural selection. Uh, if it was true, if it was like a biological thing and it wasn't created by any of us and it wasn't created by evolution, I mean, maybe it would like be evidence of aliens. Like um, that's, I think that that's really not bad scholarship. I do think it was clearly done for certain ideological reasons and it was done a little bit insincerely. Like, I don't think that Michael Behe, who made the, the big deal about the bacterial flagellum motor, uh, really tried very hard to explain it any other way. But um, <laughs> I I like that one. And I think that that's like, I, that one's probably my favorite uh, creationist argument because it's, it just, because it, 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 I mean, it's, it's, it's also an implication of just the theory of evolution that there are lots of ways in which if you found evidence that contradicted uh, its claims that, you know, the theory would be falsified or like would be undermined, you know, it would be seriously, um, you should adjust, you know, <laughs> based on that, your belief in it. I think one can't ignore like social contracts in this, right? Because to you, it ma like facts matter, like the evidence, the like structure getting to the answer is important to you. But for a lot of people, uh, say like early, any early community that's trying to establish itself, it, it like functions as well as the whole functions, right? So if you have this like individual who's separating off and saying, eh, it's not really gonna work out because if you're putting that toothpaste in that banana, it's not going to serve the same function uh, mentally to eat, right? I shouldn't be eating that toothpaste. Terrible example, but um, <laughs> but uh, it, that person would essentially like be socially shunned because it's like, hey, we all agreed that we were going to eat the toothpaste banana uh, because uh, it serves a greater purpose. It brings us together in trust and faith, right? So it might not, like, if you're growing up and you're like, hey, the Bible is not really, like, there's contradictions in it, but also I love these people and it's too painful to acknowledge what is more uh, true uh, than I'm going to ignore everything in here that makes uh, a different kind of sense, right? Um, and stick with my community and that I don't think can be ignored even if one values like evidence. Personally. That made me think of a related point, which is that there's something that's kind of touching to me about the whole like intelligent design thing. Like not necessarily all like young earth creationists are at all interested in being part of mainstream society, but like they're, they're interested in saying like our thing is true, but it's not, they're not like trying to get everybody else to believe it or like think it's like respectable. But like with intelligent design, there was, I felt like a lot of those people wanted to be scientists and they just wanted to be able to be scientists, but also like be Christians and not be like pretending at work, like Christianity is not true. And, but it's like, I do think what they were doing was uh, deceptive. I don't think they were like trying their hardest to be honest and just like, you know, let both Christian 
many forms of Christianity and and science um, both say that, you know, op- reward and openness to just following the truth wherever it leads. And I don't think that they were doing that. Um, but yeah, I just kind of get it. Like it basically like saying like, respect me. Like I'm not stupid because I am a fundamentalist Christian. Like I, you know, actually like, it's not obvious. Like a lot of your assumptions are wrong too. Um, I mean, that's probably, I think that's where the Discovery Institute like got their ideas for the wedge document is that and probably just like personal observations of like ways in which like people who were in the mainstream consensus were like, committing a lot of the same sins that they were, that they're being like reprimanded about uh, and saying basically that you're not, well, it's fine to like be a, you know, a Christian on Sunday and like at home, like you can't bring that here. Um, And it's kind of like, I don't know. I think it's like not the worst response to like try to reconcile them. I think it's a cool, like, like if, like evolution of Christianity kind of itself, right? Because if you think of like old world Christianity, it's just like maybe doomsday uh, fire and charcoal, right? But then as like we became more modern, like people have to start reconciling their own comforts for what they are like willing to accept in their Christianity, which is like its own form of like evolution. Um, And so like in order to keep like, not only social control, but like be like acceptable to your neighbor. Like there's these micro negotiations going on. Like let's talk about science. Otherwise we will burn you at the stake, historically speaking. Right. Uh, And I think that's actually pretty cool. uh, I do. Yeah. Even though it was like not the ideal, like everybody open-mindedly like sits down and like discusses their differences and stuff. Like it is an attempt at a kind of reconciliation, I think. Instead of just being like totally segregated, just like, well, we're Christians, so we're also not scientists, you know, because like that's wrong. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what you're doing is not consistent with our beliefs. So we'll just go over here and not participate in science or like mainstream society with the same level of respect for like our total beliefs as like a secular person could have. Um, I'm sympathetic to that. I uh, There's this thing that I thought about last year about something like if you were shouting with people at the dinner table, you're still like together. Like if you're like angry at someone and you're having a heated argument with your family or your friends, like you're still together. And uh, when I think now more about truth and like what actually gets people to change their minds, I feel like it usually has to do with some sort of task. So whatever your belief is, it's serving a task in some way uh, or some sort of competitive area. So if you saw someone who does really well in an area that you care about, and they were just beating everyone else competitively, then over time, you would probably convert to whatever their set of beliefs were, rather than the particular set of beliefs that led to them winning. And so from that point of view, it seems to me that usually, if you have a truth, there is very little reason to try and convince someone uh, verbally or in a conversation of it because you have you, you have an advantage why wouldn't you exploit it and it's hard to to convince people that way anyway so if someone's entering into a conversation i feel like it means that we're we're still like together like they're they're we're part of the same group we're part of the same collective i think definitely that like the 
whole intelligent design movement anyway, like understood that, that it's like important to stay in the conversation, like stay connected and, um, and stay influential, uh, which is like what I hear you saying. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm also thinking about like, really about like what beliefs are relevant to is say, if I'm programming, I would guess that there are certain sets of beliefs that are useful for programming. Um, if I'm cooking, there are probably certain sets of beliefs that are useful for cooking. I'm always drawn to that. There's this logic puzzle. I forget what it's called, but it involves some cards usually. And you have to like guess um, what the cards are. But when you transfer it to being about like letting underage people drink, more people get the answer right than if it's yeah, framed as a logical question. One, but I can't remember the name either. So. <laughs> Wasson selection test, maybe task, maybe. Uh, mm. Anyway, uh, I feel like that speaks to like the usefulness in general of anthrop anthropomorphizing things or to ascribe agency to things. Like maybe personifying the sea as a living creature makes it easier for me to understand the sea, um, and if it's working so far, if I'm a sailor and that's working for me and I have all these superstitions, I feel like sailors are, are known for having lots of superstitions and, and nothing's going wrong, then maybe that's all I need. And so maybe creationism is similarly useful for some set of tasks. Uh, I know in fighting, it's very it's very rare to find a really long-term effective atheist who's uh, killing it. They're like, Two of them I can think of uh, that are very, very cool to follow, but the most really competent fighters are, are believers. And uh, a lot of them are some sort of creationist, often Muslim creationists, but, you know. When I was, when I was younger and trying to explain my belief to my family uh, and I was kind of alone in it, like my mom has like loose like uh, Christian beliefs, but my dad and my sister do not. And so I like wrote my dad this long letter of like why I like believed in God and like why I felt like this was the correct mental path. And it had almost everything to do with how it made me feel, which is kind of like a, a kind of side adjacent um, comment on Ray's thing, like the most effective fighters. I feel like there's this like chemical thing that happens in your brain when you're like, I am secure, I am protected by something that is greater than myself, which potentially has something to do with like disbelief in one's ability to like um, do astonishing acts. Because if you're able to do astonishing acts, other people are able, therefore like you're not as important, <laughs> you know, like, like it's just like if everyone can has the same amount of like ability, then like there's nothing special about me. So there's gotta be something greater to like a like, explain whatever point being is like when you feel this like rush of endorphins when you're like worshiping or you know whatever and you're just like i feel god but really it's like like this mental ecstasy of like the same thing as like you would attribute to an orgasm right and that's such a like an intense like focal point right and then you could like focus this energy on like that was God, right? And that wasn't just me because I, I'm not able to conjure that in myself, which a lot of people are capable of doing outside of 
Christianity or any other religion or, you know, just by like, I don't know, putting that mental energy in. Um, for me, it's still very hard. And there's actually still Christian songs that make me feel that way. And I haven't been able to figure out that line. Yeah. Like why, you know, it's just like so ingrained. But I, uh, I went to, to uh, Christmas uh, mass with my mom this uh like christmas eve and uh yeah and like as soon as the procession started coming in like oh come are you faithful i like couldn't sing it i was so like choked up <laughs> it surprised me i because i feel like all my even my like angst about it is just totally over i just enjoy you know christian culture stuff and you know while i'm just like yeah i just don't think that it's an account of you know what's real but um i totally understand i totally feel that but then also you have to be you have to be like disciplined and educated in a certain way to not take feelings like that as evidence or to understand what they are evidence of and what they aren't like that's like so natural like i mean you go through the rest of your life and your feelings like are the it's like you know you're mental note of like you know what to do about this thing and like you know oh be suspicious of that like that and you often get confirmation that those things are right um it's really you have to have like a pretty complex like theory of how of psychology and like of you have to understand uh you know logical relationships you have to understand like causality in like a in a not totally intuitive way to really grok that that's not evidence of a, of a specific claim about like a god um it just seems so natural to so many people like they have an experience of ecstasy and they just feel they believe at the time that they have experienced god like that's what it was they don't have like the different buckets to put like have this incredible feeling and like the cause you know uh whatever brought that about um and so like if you start to contradict or say that like oh well god doesn't exist i mean they feel like they've had direct evidence and so of course they don't believe you um and i think if you i think it's not a far leap to like creationism stuff like it just seems so natural you know that paley made a great argument you know the difference between a man-made object and a natural object when you look at it when you see the evidence of design and like it is it takes such a complex disquisition to like really say why we know why we have this intuition about man-made objects why that's usually correct and why that doesn't mean that complex things have to be designed by an agent um i do i guess like the biggest my like tldr for my creationism steel man is like it's actually not as obvious as you think <laughs> that's what it keeps coming down to um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you say that, and I actually have trouble trying to find something that is not feeling space. Uh, I can tell sort of the difference between picking one feeling and using that as a evidence and identifying with that. But when it comes down to it, I feel like most of the time I'm using my feelings to, to decide what is relevant and what is not relevant. And I can make predictions and test them, but the very decision to make those predictions and test them and to put faith in that process is already like, I, I've to make that leap, I feel like I'm relying on feelings. I think there's, uh, maybe this is like getting too far off topic, but I, I mean, I think the difference there is like, do you have explicit models and are you updating them based on, are you like sort of knowing what your probabilities are? Like, are you being Bayesian, essentially? Like, you know, are you knowing what your probabilities are assigned to that? What are the predictions of this model that I currently have? And then do you know how much that, like, new evidence, not of feelings, but, like, of things 
the particular kinds of evidence that you know would pertain to this model like are you updating then like what your assignment of belief is and then like feelings are just like that's like the user interface of this whole thing but it's very natural to like get confused and like not use like feelings as like an instrumental thing but like think think of them as especially when it's like such a like unusual experience that you have like to just think of like this is an event that is like evidence in itself like Maybe that got unclear, but anyway, um, I th I think we, <laughs> I think I followed you, <laughs> um, but I, I, I just like described very uh, quickly a uh, whole like philosophy of Bayesianism, which I'm into, and which you may read about. Um, I like the sequences by Eliezer Yudkowsky, and I think you on readthesequences.com you can start them. So that's <laughs> uh, cool. Thank you. <laughs> show notes or whatever. Um, I'm actually about to start a reading group for them. Uh, Cool. But that's like a whole, what I just described is like, what I wanted to say is like the difference between like, I think in like a sense, you always use like using feelings as evidence, but like you can be, you can have a structure such that you're not merely doing that. Like you're using, your feelings are sort of like the user interface for how you update specific uh your like belief in like the probabilities of different states of the world being true based on having already like decided what you should what would be evidence of what it were it to happen then <laughs> it, that it, probably it, sounds terrible <laughs> no. yeah in addition to being able to recognize those feelings or being aware of them and not only that but if you're updating your model every second which you would inherently have to be unless you're like saying okay this week I have this model, next week I'm going to recheck in and then have this next model. Um, but not only is there like this mental change that's happening, right? Like, oh, I'm sad because my cat died. Therefore, this model fits with me today. <sighs> today I had ice cream, therefore this model fits with me today. However, there's action, right? And you have all these different ob like options. And then you're saying, okay, I'm going to act on this one thing based on these, like, maybe six or 700 different feelings I was feeling at this one time. But that might result in a different, I mean, it will result in a different pathway than a different one of those other feelings, even though they might be, like, slightly similar. Um, I don't know if that's making sense. But I'm saying that it's just, like, it's hard to track. Like, you can make these predictions um, based upon what you know, what you've seen, um, and blah, blah, blah. But there's these like micro things that are that are happening that you are not even aware of unless you are like entirely aware of what's going on in here, uh, you know. I wasn't talking about modeling your own feelings. I guess I was talking about yeah, like having a model of. Um, I mean, you could model your own feelings, but like uh, you know, it's <laughs> I could. <laughs> but... <laughs> You could have a model of like, if, you know, I predict that if I, you know, my understanding of how this works is that if I watch this movie, I will feel sad, you know? Um, and then if you're not sad, then you're like, oh, well, this model is needs to be updated in this way, you know? Um, right. But it's not but, all that there is, right? Like you could say, this is the result, but that's not the only result. It, and it doesn't have to be feelings. It could be anything like, uh, like we were, Ray and I were talking about this last week. It had to, like the word aim, which I'm pretty attached to. Um, like something that you're aiming for to get to a certain result is not going to be exactly the exact result in the exact shape that you predicted, no matter what you do. Like you're like, your foot, you tell your foot, I'm going to step right there. Maybe you step an inch off, but you didn't, you 
got the general area of where you were shooting, but that is not the exact shot, um, which kind of speaks to, speaks to um, like when in science, when they say plus or minus a certain amount of error, right? So there's always going to be this like um, shape of something of predictability, but it's not going to be exact, which is similar to like the fight for truth, which is like, there's always going to be this um, gray area of doubt um, coming full circle. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely so much talk about similar things in Bayesianism, but I feel like it's going to get too imprecise if we keep talking about it. But <laughs> I think we're doing great. <laughs> I think that we, but I would urge anybody ever to look into this because I think it's like the structure of thinking rationally and like making better predictions. But, um, uh, do you guys want to talk about the simulation stuff? Yeah, because I, I feel like there are a lot of people who would describe themselves as atheists, and, but they may believe strongly or at least have something close to a 50% probability in this being a simulated universe, which is a sort of intelligent design, even if it's kicking the bucket one level up. It is interesting. Yeah, I have the same like, oh, wait a minute. Now we're all like down with this. Like, you know? <laughs> um, I, I a feeling about it. I mean, I, I, I like the simulation argument, um, I guess, for like people who are not familiar with it. The, the simulation argument is uh, Bostrom. Nick Bostrom had a paper that um, I think is considered the canonical one on this. But the idea is basically that like any advanced civilization is going to simulate itself and past states of itself. Um, and they're going to be a lot more simulations than like the actual civilization. So on base rates, you should think that you're in the simulation. Um, it's just more likely that, you know, based on like the evidence that you see of your world that, you know, the people in the, in the one real world and the like thousands of simulations all see that same evidence. So like, who are you likely to be? The, you're more likely to be in the simulation. Um, and I like that. I mean, I think like it's hard to refute and yet I don't believe that we're in a simulation. <laughs> um, but like it does, um, it is very similar to a lot of like creationist arguments that used to sound really insane, like, or used to seem like so like insincere, you know, like um, people, it is, I think, is it Ken Ham or is it um, someone with a similar Ken Hovind maybe? who would say that like, yeah, like God really did design the Grand Canyon to look like it had, you know, taken, it had, uh, you would know more about the Grand Canyon, I'm sure. But um, that, what am I trying to say? That it had gotten that way over- um, right, just stratigraphic layers of, yeah. Over millions of years. Right. And that was maybe even as a test of our faith, like who knows, you know? Um, Jesus horses. <laughs> fossils but, yeah. uh, <laughs> good sorry yeah all of that stuff you yeah. know could just be uh because you don't actually know this is ken ham saying like you don't know that the past was the same as the future you don't know that like the processes we understand today are the same as the, as the future as the present um <laughs> you don't know that either but uh, uh so like you can't just assume it is just an assumption that everything is like continual and gradual and um and you really don't know that. And like, you know, Bertrand Russell responded to arguments like that by saying like, well, geez, we don't know that we weren't, um, you know, created five minutes ago with holes in our socks and change in our pockets. And, you know, and, um, but we actually, if you think about it in the simulation framework, like, yeah, you really don't know that. <laughs> you know? Um, it suddenly doesn't seem so dumb. You know? I find in that framework, it's so easy to like, 
for me, it's easy to believe anything because the moment I feel someone's belief, like I just like, I'm there. You know, like, I don't, I'm like too much from of a like people empathy. from empathy stand for it. Cause I'm just like, what the fuck do I know? I don't, I, I don't have, uh, I don't know if you're allowed to cuss on this podcast, but, um, <laughs> but like, it's just like, I don't know anything better than anyone else. I am constantly, my mind is constantly changed. I, I told Ray, what, what did I tell you the other day that I was convinced of? Oh, my mom told me when I was younger that if you make too much noise when you're cooking bread, the bread gets scared and it will like deflate in on itself. And I was like, oh my God, I don't want to scare the bread. Right. Cause, and then I also used to think that corn had thorns on it. And so it's just like, I didn't check these things. And they just like, I told so many people like, don't eat corn. It scratches your stomach, you know? And it's just like, it's, it's. Zoom in on it. I know we're not still morning corn, still manning corn has thorns, but if you zoom in on it, I feel like we can. We can get down with the fiber or something, right? is scraping <laughs> your digestive system. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not well digested. We know that. <laughs> I think you guys just steal man corn. So, <laughs> corn having corn. Uh, I forget what we were talking about, but I guess, yeah, I don't remember. That you believe things really easily based on the belief of the people around you. Right, because it's, like, again, a less painful path than, like, like pushing them towards something else, I guess. Uh, And then, like, if you want to change someone's mind, which we've, or at least provide a good argument, it's, like, this indiscreet, like, seed planting, right? if If you're trying to convince anyone of anything, you can't say you're wrong. You have to, like, uh indirectly point out alternatives and then they have to be led to their own conclusions if they are open to that right i just think even, but like even separate from any issue of persuasion um there's so like yeah my my steel man talking about like assumptions and stuff like i did envision it separate as like you know what will like what's good for people to to influence people or to persuade them i do think just from first principles, like making the case to someone who's totally naive to either hypothesis, um, there just are a lot, a lot, a lot of assumptions going on that are not acknowledged. Like there's what we usually consider the facts about it, like the evidence, but actually like going into it is like pretty much your entire worldview um, and assumptions about, you know, what is reasonable and like, but it's also convenience, right? Like if I'm starving I, and I need something to perk me up, I'm not going to look towards like lo- like logical fallacies or logic like logical truths and be like, it's feeding me. No, I'm going to be like, God, give me strength, rush of endorphins. I'm going to trek five miles to kill that X animal, right? Like it, it's, it's not about like what is true or not. It's about what gets me to reproduction. I agree. I just I just call it a steel man. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. I just like to digress the topic. Yeah. Um, but I do. Yeah. But I also think that there's like a non-persuasive way of thinking about how much should like uh, experiences like intense emotion or like, yeah, it seems like a miracle. It seems like it's like evidence of something that you can get the strength to go on and do the thing you needed when like 
you know, on your own, you felt like you were just going to give up and you couldn't. And then you like appealed to a higher power. And like, I mean, something happened there. Like that is something that needs to be explained. Like, and whether that explanation is like actually a deity or it's like, because you believed in a deity, you were able to like push past things that you normally would like stop and attend to or whatever. And like, um, uh, so I do think there's like a, a question there that's not even about like, yeah, it's not like a question of like, you know, what will people believe or what's like convenient or what's persuasive even. It's like just actually like when you have a, an intense experience like that, like what is it evidence of? I think, I mean, I think it's a legit question and I think it is obviously the more natural thing in our mind and like the heuristic of like agents did it, you know, <laughs> when you, when you like talk to someone and then you get this result like of what you wanted, like, I mean, that really does fit in our like natural like this is if you talk to you know a person and then they like do the thing that you ask them to do like you would assume that you had affected a mind and that the mind like you know re reacted by like doing the thing you asked and like that i think that's a perfectly good starting hypothesis in fact it's like given like the state of your knowledge i think it might be the most logical thing to believe like actually the most rational person back in the ancestral environment like that actually might be the most rational belief to have like you would think that somebody actually their like reasoning process was broken if they were believing anything else just because of the, the availability of the evidence but um you have to know a lot of stuff about like human psychology or you have to like have um enough experiences that like suggest to you to like break this link like but or between um maybe there's not like sort of a magical force of like agency or communication or something like that even though that was a very reasonable way of modeling it to begin with and in fact like the way that our minds are given <laughs> to model it <laughs> so yeah sorry so my point there is that sometimes the, the if you're following the most rational like process of arriving at beliefs like you will come like in certain cases you should come to the wrong conclusion like if you're given like enough of the of if you don't have enough of the evidence to reach the right conclusion. Um, and I think like that can be happening too, or people can just be sort of like not that principled about figuring out what's true and they can just like reach for something that's like more convenient or, but I do think even like the example you gave, like, I think that you should take that as evidence of something like that, you know, it, it would be, it would make no sense to say like, well, nothing to see here. Like after you'd had that experience, like, you know, there has to be something that explains it. <laughs> yeah, totally. I completely agree. I'm just being contrarian. <laughs> <laughs> um, just so you know, I have to go soon um, because I have to talk to my grandparents, but um, yeah. Just like um, I'm looking over my, yeah, if you have any other thoughts. Um, I mean, basically, we've touched on all of these things. I wish I had put it more cozily. But... I believe you were going to say something perhaps about the simulation argument as it might relate to young Earth creationism, or, or was that already? Well, we did we did say that, but um, or we, we, I did say what I intended to say, which is that okay. now the um, simulation argument has made a lot of like propositions that used to be silly like oh well maybe the past isn't you know like the future like uh, or like the past i like the present i did the same mistake last time <laughs> um it, like it suddenly made those things like respectable to talk about and think about like oh yeah like maybe um 
I guess it made it make more sense because people, when you're thinking of like a perfect God, it's like, why would they do this? But if you're thinking about just sort of people like us with more advanced technology, it's like, yeah, if you do like random stops and starts to your simulation and, um, and like really why couldn't we be made by something like that? Um, I mean, ultimately, like that's not really like that itself is not an argument in favor of creationism because it still presumably like starts with the evolution of the one uh real society <laughs> but um so but i don't know like a lot of creationists would say that god is could... a society huh like a first mover that is a society where you you have a god so to speak that god is a civilization that is simulating us but that civilization did not have a creator um yeah i wouldn't i don't know if that would make it a first mover but um definitely like the the gods of all, you know, are like us and they evolved. Um, or maybe we're a simulation of that world, you know, where evolution occurred, but, but like somewhere, you know, the, uh, there was never a step where just, uh, complexity arose out of nothing. Uh, that's not, I mean, I guess, according to, um, various versions of the simulation, uh, argument, like there could be, it could be that we just have completely different, rules there's like a whole just different set of possible rules has been realized in some simulations and we're one of them and that in like the actually the master civilization like things do work that way but it would just be like a completely different physics or like things that we have like really no way of no really no way of contacting like really no way of learning about uh unless they decided to inform us you know <laughs> but uh, so that i could like it could justify a sort of deism which is that's long been like a yeah, like a hybrid position or like a halfway like moderate position on creation and evolution where people would say like, well, I believe in microevolution or I even believe in macroevolution, but it's like guided by God. Or it was just set in motion, like life began, abiogenesis happened, you know, because of God and then God steps back in a deistic manner. Uh, and, and all he does is just like help humans and that's all. I guess if you found yourself suddenly a young earth creationist, in this possible in a, in a possible world what do you think would have convinced you like what's the the opening edge would it be what you said earlier about an irreducibly complex part for me to really now like be who i am now and be convinced in like a day about that i, I guess i would have to be convinced that like a lot of the authority that i had relied on was just like incorrect um like for some reason they believe this falsely or, you know, whatever, or we're in a simulation and the simulation is set up so that this is the most logical conclusion. Um, or so that evolution by natural selection is uh, the most logical conclusion. And here is evidence that this is a simulation. Uh, so the focus would be on not like facts about the claims of evolution or intelligent design. It would be on like, is there some way in which the laws of physics are violated or like you can manipulate uh, the world, you know, in a, in a way that um, only makes sense if it's like based on code, uh, something like that. So that would be the most likely way. That's how I imagine I would become, if I realized that, I don't know, we're in sort of like a VR environment, but what we're really standing on is a 6,000 year old planet with where all of uh, the animals and you know, uh, plants were created individually. Um, yeah. Like if your whole, if you're living in like a VR universe, then like, yeah, anything 
anything could be true. I would still be just on the grounds of like logic, very confused about what is possible for, I mean, it'd be really hard for me to understand like any other laws of physics, like that don't work by like entropy, <laughs> entropy increasing, like, you know, um, it would be really difficult for me to conceptualize that. But if it was the case that I learned all of those things in a VR simulation where the laws were consistent within that simulation, then I, there, there wouldn't, I mean, I'd have to digest the implications a lot more, but there would only be some things that I could really count on being true, like math, unless, I don't know, you take off the visor and suddenly things just seem very different <laughs> and suddenly math doesn't hold up. But uh there, there would definitely be some things that you'd expect to be subject to, like, be, to some things can just be created whole cloth out of the simulation, like contingent facts, like about history or like, you know, what's around, what's the landscape around me, things like that. But some facts are like seemingly uh, required or like absolute. You know? So basically a, a gap in your current, in your currently most stable models. Like a sizable one. Yes, I guess uh, it would be like if I learned that all the information I ever received through my senses was incomplete or like false or manipulated. Uh, but not manipulated by you <laughs> and false manipulated by you. So like, I mean, there are just some things that are so like dim like undeniably the case, like you know, a equals a, like that kind of like that. Um, but at the same time, I can like, there is obviously a way that our brains, there's like a platform in our minds for representing that fact and stuff. And you it could conceivably be different, like that there could be, it could be that, you know, it's like higher dimensions or something like it. There's really, there's no way for my eyes to see them, but like they exist. And maybe, maybe it turns out that seemingly uh, non-contingent facts are actually contingent. Uh, so maybe things like things that would seem to make uh you know creator god like an infinite regress because like how do they arise and that's like opposite to our understanding of how complexity arises maybe it wouldn't seem so crazy maybe entropy doesn't always increase uh in the actual world i now have a completely wild idea that maybe the bible is just backwards somehow uh or that creationism is somehow backwards because if you have like an all-powerful being and things get more complex over time and entropy increases maybe in the future there's something really powerful <laughs> and, and we're all just reaching toward it but yeah that's about hmm. where it can go <laughs> like i don't know why but i mean something that's about time in um well it's funny when i was thinking about god but it's actually like literally the logic that originally led to the big bang hypothesis uh, so and it is kind of true so it's like you start it all wound up and then the big bang happens and then it's been like slowly unwinding the whole universe for and it will you know until all the usable work has been done <laughs> yeah in the end i suppose that since we're all sharing the same reality uh there is some some truth everywhere and it's just a question of interpretation um i actually have this supposition that almost no one's literal statements are literal statements. So, uh, I think so. I could agree to a version of that. Yeah. But like they're always tinged, you know, <laughs> but I, I was going to say something about what we were just saying about, 
Oh, yeah. I feel like it's a bit of a cop out to say that, like, oh, well, I would believe in creationism if, like, literally everything I'd ever been told was wrong and I couldn't trust my own brain in any way. Like, that seems like I could come up with a better answer than that. But um, so I think. I don't know, I've like never I've traveled all the way around the globe uh, and I have like a lot of what seems like firsthand evidence that like it's round, for example, like, but, you know, um, which is like not necessarily indicated by uh, different creationist accounts. Um, so like that would be difficult to, but if I was somehow convinced that like every place I had been, like in every plane I had flown in, like that was, it was really just like a, that was a simulated ride. Like, you know, I would go from like one area and I never actually gone that far. Like whenever, you know, we, I was driving on the road, like that was really just like a video, you know, roller sort of Truman show situation. Um, yeah. Like I could, I could believe that. And that wouldn't require like, you know, everything being fake. It would just be like, I was deceived. Um, but I think I can come up with a better one. What's like the best, like not, you know, what's the least like intervention required to make me a young earth creationist? It's okay. So it's hard because I have, you know, a PhD in evolutionary biology and I like really deeply understand like the sequence evolution and stuff. And it's like very difficult to like, you know, that just like, it seems to require a lot. It seems, like, I very strongly believe like a lot of time was required and a lot of, uh, to have that much complexity. And I think I like understand a lot about information theory and stuff that's like fairly basic, like why that would be required. But if I found out that we didn't have DNA or something like that, if I found out that like, actually we're just sort of like avatars or, you know, like, um, and there had been this whole like farce about DNA, um, then I think I could be made to believe a lot because a lot, I mean, my, the things that the crux for me is a lot of like phylogenetic evidence and, uh, for evolution. And, uh, if I learned somehow that just like none of that was actually true, none of that was like had anything to do with anything like, uh, then, but again, that involves like a lot of deception. <laughs> I feel like I could become up with a better answer. <laughs> I guess part of the the thing I'm struggling with when I think about this question is why why this particular young Earth creationism? Uh, because there are you know thousands, at least thousands I've come across. I'm sure there's hundreds of thousands of, of accounts of how things came to be, and probably millions, billions. And uh, when I find myself I, I genuinely, genuinely do believe that I'm constantly simulating things and tinging things in a certain way. Um, so, and everything that I once believed to be true has usually turned out to be in some way false. So uh, when I'm in that situation, I guess my confusion is like, what would draw me towards young earth creationism specifically? And that isn't like, yeah. I'm trying to reach my parents or something or you feel like it would be motivated it wouldn't be because of like evidence <laughs> yeah I, I don't think so um i believe all my reasoning is always motivated motivated so far or that's a that's a thing that seems to be the case but there's no reason to throw in the towel i mean you know more or less like i'm trying to think of i, I like what evidence i think would should lead me to believe that right um 
Yeah, I, I, and you're right. The, definitely the specificity thing is important because like I'm really what I, even all the scenarios I just gave were like not scenarios that would prove it was like the Christian, it was the young earth creationism account. Um, I mean, I guess like feeling a communication from God, seeing God like do things, you know, um, <laughs> seeing God perform like miracles or create species or something like that. Um, that would make a big difference uh, if suddenly... I don't know if you like showed me like Garden of Eden stuff, like I stopped aging or, you know. Um, oh, uh, I think like, I, I think I got one for myself, actually. It's if what? all the prophecies in the Bible suddenly started to line up. Like if I could go and look at historical aren't they data. contradictory though? Um, I don't know if the prophecies themselves are necessarily contradictory. Uh, the inter like a lot of popular inter interpretations might be, but just like looking at what popular. But there are a bunch of different say. prophecies about the Messiah, for instance. That, like... Yes, yeah, but so <laughs> when I say the Bible, <laughs> about the coming of the Messiah, I'm including um, the the New Testament as well. Uh, so assuming that part, just taking that part for granted, um, and then taking a non-literal explanation of the kingdom of God, uh, or even saying that the kingdom of God meant the Roman Catholic church. Um, then it, I guess a, but a series of things like that lining up with some, some more stuff can't happen. It's too late. Like Jesus said that like the men, the others alive, you know, standing with him, uh, wouldn't die a natural death. And like, I, I guess you can say like they didn't because now they had the possibility of like being admitted to the kingdom of heaven and having eternal right. life. Yeah. But they, but I don't know. I think the plain meaning of it was pretty clear that he thought there was going to be apocalypse. Like he talked about it a lot. Uh, <laughs> and, right. um, <laughs> and so it would have anyway, to. I would say that it's too late for that right. prophecy to occur. <laughs> there would have to be many of them that would have to line up. Um, Definitely things could happen that, like, if biblical prophecies appeared to be fulfilled, like, that would, I would certainly, like, take notice. <laughs> like, I, um, like, I would I, think that something's going on. <laughs> I don't think anything in Isaiah or Revelations requires a specific date. Um, what about the number of people admitted to heaven and stuff like that? So I mean, that, that seems like... Right, so that, then you... That would be part of the thing is like if you have a, a number like a 144,000 uh, chosen ones toward the last days and stuff like that. Um, if there was some way to, to figure that out, <laughs> if that was clear. Yeah, if there were like if, uh, you know, 144,000 have a specific mark or something like that, you know, right. like, yeah. that like if that happened, like I would think like, well, there's either a vast conspiracy or like maybe there's some basis to the whole revelation prediction like maybe they saw they actually did see the future well, among those hypotheses there would be the that god you know the abrahamic god is real <laughs> yeah so yeah it would have to be a bunch of stuff like that yeah i mean yeah i think that would definitely like it's still though i have to admit like i feel like i would be so fundamentally skeptical because i just there's such i'm just very strongly convinced of like the most foundational things in my worldview and i do think they exclude those possibilities like the, the supernatural, that, that kind of supernatural um, stuff, like uh, one thing being like getting complexity, uh, you know, out of nowhere 
so that which would be like the evolutionary part <laughs> but uh yeah so it's um so I could, yeah, it'd be easy to give an account of sort of like what happened in my life to make me turn into a young earth creationist, but what made me like actually believe it, you know, um, or what makes me think you should come to that conclusion or like what would be the evidence that could possibly happen, you know, like um, given that I've already experienced and seen the world as it was up until today. Um, I mean, I guess uh, an easy version would be just like God created everything and he just wants it to seem this way. Um he just did a great job, you know? <laughs> so you'd have to receive uh, a message about that somehow. Yeah, I guess I would have to get, like, something that was irrefutable evidence to me, like, something predict, uh, something that, you know, only I could make sense of, but in retrospect is, like, definitely true. Um, once I've, like, figured out the riddle, it's, like, clearly, you know, um, has to be true. Um, even then, though, it's, like, ugh, like wouldn't it just be easier to like induce that feeling in me than to actually come up with that evidence? Like it would, because that the, the presumption against that kind of evidence is so high. So like, you would think you're, <laughs> you're going crazy in some way. Yeah. Like, you know, thought control or something yeah, was happening instead. Like, you know, <laughs> electrocuted uh, parts of your brain or whatever. Yeah. It would it, and this, I think, is just intellectual. Like, it's not a worldview thing. It's, it's, it just is entailed by like my understanding of the the facts and like the just the deepest like laws of this world that you can't have. Uh, you can have so probably very powerful uh, beings, and they could have, operate by very different rules and stuff. But they can't have arisen from nothing by no process you know, and they can't, that's <laughs> such a powerful thing having arisen in that manner could then make uh, things the way that we make things that wouldn't be able to evolve by natural selection. But what if it's not oh, learning that God that? just evolved? <laughs> what? But learning that God just evolved, like God's just a powerful alien. Um, and that, yeah, and, and and like he did some combination of sort of like a simulation and like, you know, when he made his world, like it's not like a computer simulation, you know, but it's, um, it, it is like in the same like substance that he is uh, of our universe, but he is just a really powerful being from another. This is kind of what Mormons believe, by the way. I, I almost said I wanted to steal man Mormonism, but I thought you guys wouldn't. Um, no, I'd be wouldn't down, know actually. I, it's most aesthetically appealing to me of all the American Protestant places uh, or I okay. I think a, I think they dealt with a lot of problems in earlier versions <laughs> and and this is one of them that God is just everybody can do this process of Godhood and it it, it uh, mentions other planets and the rest of the universe not something that a lot of other versions of Christianity deal with, you know. <laughs> it yeah, seems so, like uh, a nice update to me like in the same way like when I read uh, English translations of the Quran, it looks to me like, oh, this is this is clearly like an updated version. This is the this is improved. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when I deal with like Mormonism, it's it's sort of the same way to me. Uh, at least the the structure of the belief, if not the the poetry of it. Yeah, I um. So yeah, I think that's something that I could be made to believe that like actually it it would be similar to the simulation argument, just like it wouldn't be like. Uh, on computers 
it would be like just a really powerful alien who like was able to shape you know our solar system or something like and it looks like it's natural and actually like they he was imitating a very like natural style he knows a lot about uh, like those processes and um and i don't know maybe he was created by an even more powerful one but like ultimately like somewhere i would still think that the first one would have to evolve you know right um like evolution would have to be the first mover you know and uh then after that they could like create their own worlds but <laughs> so i was atheist until i was like 29 or 30 um and that that is basically why i stopped being atheist is is, is assuming that we evolved God in some way, but that's not an omnipresent God. That's just like a, a less powerful one. So it wouldn't quite work for creationism. So wait, did you just change your definition of God? So I used what I looked at as the original like word for God in general, like something you call on. And then assuming that monotheism is something that comes after some sort of animism, then what we call on is always present. Like you, you always have something that you call on. And then that shared idea or that shared agent that people have in their minds, that shared character has an influence on the world. Like I can look at a cathedral and say, God this is Egregory? Yes. Yeah. So in the same way that Superman is real, then God would be something we created. But why did that make you not an atheist? Because the like if if god is real in some sense then other things are also real in some sense and it doesn't mean i don't believe in a god anymore because i if it is something i can deal with if it's if it is something i can interact with then it is like practically pertinent to me i mean would you like call yourself a supermanist <laughs> um... yeah in some ways i would as well yeah I would, the, my religion is probably closer to comic books then <laughs> <laughs> i just like would you feel the need to clarify to i don't know to say you're like i you know i don't not believe that superman exists like i it's uh seems i'm a little confused by why that rebukes the normal usage of the word atheist which is to like you know believe in a supernatural entity right um uh, because I feel like when people say supernatural, they don't necessarily mean something completely disconnected from the world. I mean, if we were to read them literally, then that would be the case. But it doesn't seem to me that people take things that literally. So if, again, if I, if I were to evaluate the average Christian in the United States who says they believe their actions will not match what you would do if you believed uh, quite literally in what was being said. So because of that, that means that supernatural to me would just mean something that we don't have an explanation for yet. I just wouldn't say the explanation is God. You know, I feel like that's jumping the, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's jumping the gun. <laughs> yeah. So it wouldn't um, be an explanation but... for everything, just things that are pertinent to that culture that is influenced by that God. Yeah. I mean, it seems, I don't know, my, my, if I were in your position, I would still not, uh, I would still think I was an atheist, but uh, <laughs> put it that way. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that might be the motivated reasoning thing. It's a lot easier to connect to more people by not being an atheist than it is by being an atheist. 
Where do you live? Uh, I live in the United States. Oh, maybe you don't want to get more specific than that. Uh, I live in o- Dayton, Ohio at the moment. Oh. Okay, um, so yeah. And I grew um, up partially in the South and partially in Southeast Asia. So. Whereas like where I live on the East Coast, it's like if you, people will sometimes be like, Holly was raised religious. Like it's like this really interesting and weird fact. Like mm-hmm. it's definitely like weirder to um, have, even to have been raised religious than, you know. Right. Um, yeah. If we found out that like someone in our social group believed in God, it would be like, noteworthy you know <laughs> so like um yeah uh that actually negatively impacted my relationships for like two years saying that i could believe in god mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah i mean it would change who i could reach out to sure like my if i did suddenly think that it was fair to say that i did believe in god uh then i would probably have a different social group in a lot of ways uh because of that but um uh yeah, it's, it's it's very off topic, but yeah, just from back in the day when I like, you know, became an atheist or like kind of realized that that was what was probably true and what I thought, um, I just thought it was going to limit me my entire life. Like I, but it was just really important to me to like live my truth, but like, uh, and not hide stuff like that. And, uh, but now it's just like, I actually, my life would be really limited if I weren't right, yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, doing what I do now. So, you yeah. Know? yeah, it would be, yeah. I, I guess the politically the the cultural power has shifted. Yeah, it's crazy, and it makes you think. Like back, at, I, I remember like thinking that these people, like from the Discovery Institute and stuff, were so paranoid and like bitter about like Christianity's cultural clout, like reducing. And now I think like, wow, they were just like exactly right. They just completely called it. Like maybe they hastened it by creating so many people by like start you know making new atheism bigger but like um but they were completely right like i it's amazing like how much christianity has receded from like controlling the i mean for you know i I grew up in the 2000s like and i was like a young teen and at the beginning and uh actually what was i i think it was eight when the middle name started so that was wrong but (laughs) but uh uh and yeah, I just remember all the Bush years, how, what a big deal it was like, you know, to, it really did feel like uh, atheists were the underdog. And I was like dismayed to realize that I didn't think that, you know, Christianity was true. I always like really wanted to be part of my family's religion and stuff, but like, um, but I just remember th- how, what a chip on my shoulder it was, like what a I was had so much angst about like the for me it was all about like the truth of the issue it wasn't like exactly social stuff but I didn't want to like deal with the the social stuff either and like you it's like hard to even explain that to like Gen Z people like that there was really a time in my life even when it just seemed obvious that religious people controlled everything and that we had to defer to them and that you know of course you were free to live your life however you wanted but you had to like not say anything that upset them or imply that their beliefs weren't true not play along with their whole, their myth, you know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So that's, um, that is quite related to the content of what we were talking about. Cause the whole, I mean, whether or not the creation story is true is, is very seen as very fundamental to that whole thing. <laughs> whether or not people can believe in it and they can take part in like the, you know, Christian culture, whether the, the culture should be uh, Christian or not. Yeah. I've got a lot of childhood friends and we've had, some some of them have had private conversations with me and they're like pastors and things like that now um so 
they've basically indicated that they have trouble believing in the, in the truth of things, but they are so embedded in the community that it, those things are inseparable. So I guess that's part of, of what I think of is that you need some sort of, of social proof. And even though I can tell a story uh, about how I was like all alone and there, there were no atheists around me, it was probably obvious to the community that, the, that, that there was something more powerful coming with um, secular cultures. So without that sort of underlying uh, background, maybe I would not like have become atheist. Like that there needs to be some sort of social approval somewhere, like incrementally. And so from that point of view, if you can motivate yourself to believe things, which I feel like most people can, then it would make sense to to me to to be a young earth creationist in that sense. If if there was no like, if the world was like utterly conquered by <laughs> young earth creationists again, then it wouldn't it wouldn't really help to to fight, uh, unless I thought that my fighting would inspire others who secretly weren't young earth creationists. I mean, I can like so I feel very strongly about animals like the moral worth of animals and protecting animals uh from like just mistreatment directly by us or just like i would like ideally to help animals in the wild uh that's my job actually but um is working on like theoretical issues around that and uh and it's very and it is like i live in a society that does not feel the same way it's not like people are all and like people have very strong feelings about animals most people love at least you know some animals but um it is just like bizarre. Like you just live in a world where people eat animals all the time. And like, you know, that was like the first issue that was really big to me. And like, as a kid, I, um, and I really went through a lot to, to be true to that and not eat animals. Like, um, the people sensed, I guess, like the cultural danger, like the danger to that, like whole myth of, of me not doing that. And, uh, they were pretty harsh about it. And, uh, but like, I just, I feel what it's like to be sort of like, you know, like, what can you do? Like, and not um, constantly be uh, fighting all the time. Like, I mean, I do the things that I do. I do the work that I do. I uh, I don't eat meat, you know, I do. Uh, but like, I, you know, you just have to like, eventually, like, you can't, you only have so much energy for these to fight these fights like within your culture and you can't not participate in it. Um, and yeah, and just depending on like how hegemonic something is like creationism, like, you know, before Darwin, of course it was just assumed. Um, like nobody had any reason to, even though like the scientific evidence like in favor of creation was at, was as poor, you know, it, um, nobody had any reason to challenge it. And then it's just, um, and a lot of people have, it took a long time for there to be a critical mass of the scientific study of evolution that over that made it so that it was like worth speaking in public, like as if the creation story wasn't true or it was like only a metaphor or something. Uh, that stuff just happens slowly. <laughs> and like, I, I guess I say the meat thing because it strikes me as like a thing that truly is like quite distinct from a lot of like the culture around me. And um, and I just feel it myself. Like, oh, I feel like you're I feel on the so East Coast. Yeah. Okay. Um, but just like my whole, I mean, now it's so, 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 so much easier than yeah. it was when mm -hmm. I was a kid. Like, and that's been another thing that's just changed dramatically, like culturally, but also just when you're like autonomous, it's quite different. <laughs> but, um, 
but like the cultural attitudes toward it like i used to just get a lot of people be like like roll their eyes like immediately adults like all the time to me when i was a kid and um <laughs> but like it's something it's an issue where i know that i just feel so strongly about it i'm very convinced that it's important and and i do take moral actions it's not like i'm like um impotent or something in the face of it but like i just understand like what it's like i understand from the inside like how you could like for instance, how you could like be against slavery, but not be an abolitionist because you just had other stuff in your life, you know, <laughs> like right. because like that is sort of what I do. I don't spend my life like doing like direct actions to save animals, you know, <laughs> but, um, um, and I and so it's a similar huh? or whatever slavery is going on right now. I don't yeah, know. You know there's so I mean, I'm a part of uh, effective altruism, which the whole point is to try to prioritize um, moral causes. Um, by like where you can do the most good in recognition of our limited resources, you know, um, to do good. Like you can't, it's not, I think a lot of people believe there's just like a few problems yeah. and that you should just like believe that they are a problem and talk about them and that that's how things <laughs> get solved. They, I don't think are very, are aware of just like the, I kind of agree with Christianity on this, like the fallen nature of the world, like just that it's like, it's, it's, we progress and we do great things, but like really the default state of things is kind of grubby. And it's like you, it's not like you just fix problems. It's more like you're like working to improve the natural state of things all the time. But um, what a digression. Uh, <laughs> where was I going with that? Uh, oh yes, it was in, in uh, service ultimately of the steel manning of creationism. I just, all of which is to say, I don't know, things, it seems like, obvious from the position of okay now we definitely like the fashionable people definitely don't believe in creationism they definitely believe in evolution and they don't believe in god it seems like obvious to make a big that it was like oh well you should just stand up for whatever is true or like whatever but and it's not it's really not acknowledging the whole process of like the cultural war that happens uh you know like as that um as these issues are being decided like as consensus is being reached and it's also not acknowledging just like yeah the fatigue or just the that it's not worth it to for individuals to take a stand like if they're in a community that where creationism is like not only just an attempt to just describe reality it's like a foundational myth that is important for the membership in the community do you have uh, any last thoughts uh, yeah, so the two things I listed as my cruxes, which I can finish on, is just uh, one, I think like the biggest real crux here, in for as far as by real, I mean like based on like evidence and not just like about uh, like a descriptive account of why people have the beliefs is um, parsimony. Like what is parsimonious? And I do think that you need a scientific worldview to understand how evolution is more parsimonious. People who don't who aren't educated in science, either they don't have the worldview or they're not educated enough to like have the information they need to use the, to apply the worldview in this case. It's not actually going to seem more parsimonious to them that uh, evolution occurs than that there was creation. Yeah. And then the second crux is I think that uh, like a meta issue is what is the point of getting the story right? Like is the point to describe what happened or is the point to like be a cultural myth? And I actually think that people on both sides are doing both things. I think it should be about what's true, but also on both sides, it's about sort of like whose culture is dominant. And uh, that's a very real power struggle going on. <laughs> that's a motivation, uh, you know, that I think should be dissected uh, from figuring out the truth. I think as far as like figuring out the truth, it's 
evolution's the winner, but it's not as obvious as people think. It requires like a much more a lot of assumptions and it requ- it relies more heavily on parsimony than I think people like understand. And most people don't, I don't think really like deeply understand why um, we do rely on parsimony and why it's not just a heuristic. It is a heuristic, but it's not, it's like deeper than that. Package proper. Agit. Agit proper.